episode of Tribal Research Specialists, the podcast, a podcast about tribal people, our communities, and discussions on research traditions. We aim to uncover the true meaning of research methodological approaches that are currently operating in tribal life, with implications for tribal communities and avenues for knowledge production. Yes, sir. That um, that was your good old round dance and or uh, owl dance song, and uh, this particular track comes from um, a mystery, a mystery reel. Um, this one is um, was recorded and or gifted. We don't know to Alan Merriam. So I imagine it was recorded uh, on or sometime before the um, 1950s. And uh, the individuals singing there are from here on a Flathead Indian Reservation. I don't know who they are. I don't know. But... um, well, they're singing a good, good tune. That's a good tune, you know. And uh, yeah, pretty good one. But you know, you don't get that on Joe Rogan. <laughs> Who's that? You don't, Who's Joe Rogan. You, you don't get that. You don't get that on the JRE. <laughs> Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Who is uh-uh. that? I don't even know who that is. Never heard of him. Is he? Does he he's work down at the, the truck stop? <laughs> is he the cashier? He's not on the TRS. That's no. JRE's not on the TRS. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No, we don't know. You well, okay, tell, so you could tell that that that's an owl dance song. Yeah. But why? Well, I mean, give us your it's evidence. Cadence, it's song. Well, of course, the beat. Well, for one, the beat. The beat puts it in the the, the round dance or the owl dance genre. But you know, around here too, there's the gift dance, which is this, which is essentially the round dance. 
but now the owl dance is is a little different because it's so would would um the, the on the flathead res that they used to have those uh, uh like house dances where they would clean out the kind of someone's living room and they'd sing owl dance songs and uh and, not owl and, dance uh, songs specifically but the war dance yeah but not the owl dance ooh. as far as i know <laughs> do tell do tell I just, oh. for those who can't see us, I just gave him the, oh, really, face. <laughs> Quite exaggerated I'm as well. Rambunctious. I'm, but, I'm rather rambunctious this evening. Oh, oh yeah? What you got going on? Just down some well, ice cream? Because, well, I just downed some ice cream. I had a hankering for some French vanilla because I'm oh. a classy gal. And, <laughs> was that the Western oh, family or is a, it? I uh, know uh, uh, there was no Western family French vanilla, as you know. Yeah, Western family vanilla. only makes vanilla. Vanilla. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I'm a I'm a classy fella. Okay, I'm a fancy boy. So tell me about this ice cream then. Some more. Oh, it's good, man. Oh, it's I mean, good. It, okay, it okay, okay. It hit the spot. It hit the spot. But uh, but the the hankering for an ice cream is uh, a a result of my rambunctiousness tonight <laughs> this evening yeah well, well uh we hope to channel that in a positive way for also positive results we got, we got a guest today well we yeah are, we, we're gonna have a guest we got the guest um and this particular guest i think shares in a great deal of rambunctiousness even without the ice cream, I would say, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't, I mean, I can speak with some experience of the rambunctiousness of our next guest. However, where the norm of rambunctiousness falls among this guest and their familial group, that is in question. That is a that is something I wonder. Well, what you you might call rambunctiousness, <laughs> my family might call Monday evening, <laughs> <laughs> or or um, or 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 other bedtime. Families in, in my our bedtime. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I don't know. It's just a different room. Uh, yeah, rambunctiousness uh, on a on a scale of of a, a, a normative scale. I mean, matching and folding socks. That's not very rambunctious. However, <laughs> however, with our next party. guest, with our next guest, that could be a pretty rambunctious event. Would you say? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's 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 hear from her. Let's welcome to the to the TRS. The terse. The terse. The terse. The tesseract. The tesseract. Oh lord! This is this is my my sister Luella. Yes, sister Luella here, and who's going to bring the voice of journalism? To our, our, um, the power I get, of the press. Our, our quasi um, academic program, but mainly it's just people 
that don't party anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We're curious, like kind of chose the sober path after a a decade of debauchery. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what's funny? I must bring this up because okay, I used to like I used to like to party. Okay, like to run around and be bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I That's... never had an addiction. Oh, ever. I was never a, like a, an alcoholic or even a, oh. an abuser. I was just, I just like to have fun. And then when <laughs> I was done, I was done. Right. And <laughs> You're saying you could draw the line. Yeah, I could draw the line. Well, that's debatable, really, but okay, let's go. I haven't drank. She's acting since. better than us. Yeah, she's acting better. Okay. Well, once I turned like 31, I stopped drinking. Yes. And I used to work an outreach program at, in Ashland at St. LeBray. Was that before and or after the drinking? Way after, like okay. a few years okay. ago. <laughs> okay. And my clients were essentially like, you know, the drunks and that drug addicts. And a lot of them lived on the street. And yeah. they would ask me, you know, oh, let's go have some beers and this weekend. I'm like, oh, no, I, I don't drink. Oh, how long have you been sober? I'm like, well, I'm. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't work a program. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not in recovery. What do you mean? You well, don't have no I, just cho- I just chose not to drink anymore. So how long have you been sober? No, that I, I'm not counting anything. But, just go but, with it, Lou. You better count. Yeah, you should I'm start. Like, expect it. I'm like, well, it's just, I, they couldn't unwrap their heads around it. And I'm like, okay. About seven years. <laughs> I didn't have to go with it because they just couldn't. Just... So, well, aside from debauchery and from Luella's yeah. <clears throat> lies to us just now. Yeah. I'm not a liar. We'll overlook that. She um, still <laughs> buys steel reserves. I, I've never <laughs> tried to no, steal no. reserves. Oh, she's, she's a journalist. Yeah. Okay. Let's I'm, talk about the I'm journalism. A, all right. All right. Yeah. A respectable. Okay. She's a journalist who's been sober for 12 years. Journalist. <laughs> Not 12 years by any means. <laughs> I thought you weren't I, counting. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm no. not counting, but if it was 12 years, I'd be counting. <laughs> I'd be counting down the days until I bought another beer. Yeah. Um, Try 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I'm a journalist by... I'm a journalist by trade. Okay. I like to tell people. Um, That's cool when people say I, that I'm a journalist by trade, or you can put anything in there. I'm a waiter by trade. Yeah. By trade. Or, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I'm and, an uh, entrepreneur by trade. I'm a, by, in the, in my heart of hearts, I'm a journalist. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I, I messed up your. And in your, reality, I'm poor. <laughs> So I am what? the general manager. I'm poor. <laughs> oh, you're poor. Okay. <laughs> poor. Emphasize the poor. Oh, I guess yeah. Poor. So, poor. so technically, technically, your your job title is the you're the general manager. I'm the general manager and editor of the Bighorn County News in Hardin, Montana, which is a weekly community newspaper that covers Bighorn County, which uh-huh. is a 5,000 square mile area in like South Central, Southeastern Montana. 
Yeah. So we cover Bighorn County, which is mostly the Crow Indian Reservation and a small portion of the Northern Cheyenne. Okay. And she's the and first Native American. A, I'm the first Native American to run the Bighorn County News. Oh, wow. And I'm the first like Native woman to be in that position. Yeah. And I am like the first mom to be in that position in decades and decades. Did you say mom? Yeah. They oh, haven't had oh. a, a mom and, in and, that position. And, 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 and she's the first Sagittarius. No, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> and um, probably the first woman in quite a while. I really <laughs> she's the and first uh, Libra. <laughs> the first recovering Scorpio. alcoholic that doesn't claim <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. No. Alcoholic in denial. <laughs> the first alcoholic so, in denial to run a. <laughs> I'm the first chain to be in that position. <laughs> no, I don't think she's the first alcoholic in denial to run a newspaper. I think that's <laughs> oh, pretty no. common. Uh, the field is rampant with alcoholics. Um, so I started there in February of 2019. Okay. Yes. And ended up under. Pretty upsetting circumstances becoming the general manager. My publisher, Jim, died suddenly oh. three months after I was hired. Huh. So That's not good. About a month that burns. After, yeah. About a month after he passed away, I was offered the position of publisher and told them I would take the job, but I don't want the title of publisher. Because oh. three publishers had passed away. <laughs> kind of a curse. Oh, like, damn. Oh, so she's. Lo, 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 you're so funny. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm dead serious. I don't want that title. <laughs> the first superstitious like, editor of <laughs> the Bighorn. Yeah. Uh, actually, she no, also. Uh, she superstitions also, um, run deep in the newspaper industry. They so do? Okay. Does like, it really? Hey. Yeah, the superstitious crowd. So they. Um, Changed the title and gave me the job. Did it take an act of a legislative act to change the title, or how did they just no, change it? They're just like scratch it out, publisher, and hand wrote general manager slash editor. Hmm, that's cool, man. That is uh that is a uh, now. Is this an industry? Now, now tell me this: is this an industry that's? I mean, obviously, it's sorely needed. Um, for, to have a native representation, but is, 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 is there, are there other examples of you in, um, in, uh, native America? Can you hear me? A little bit. I mean, yeah, I can hear you now. Did you hear my yeah, question? You're good. Yeah, yeah. I heard your question. Okay. So uh, minorities in journalism, it's kind of hit and miss, you know, with minorities right. in journalism, but specifically native Americans in journalism, when I first started, like when I was first in college in the early 2000s, about 4% of the minorities in journalism were native. So 4% of a small percentage, like it was 4% of like 15 or 16% of people in, in journalism. Right. And now it's less than one. It's less than 1% of 15%. It's a ridiculously low number. And most 
natives in journalism are working at tribal newspapers. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that was going to be my next question is, so there's, there's plenty of native run newspapers, you know, Indian country today. And then each, uh, I think most reservations have their own, um, you know, local tribal paper, but you, in your situation, it's, it's a little bit different because this is a, I wouldn't say mainstream because it doesn't feed uh, the, the mainstream population in, uh, in the region but it does serve a large population locally, but a mix of native, non-native issues and clientele. Is that correct? Yeah, we're owned by a um, like a non-native um, company. We're owned by Yellowstone Communications. Okay. And so that company is out of Livingston. They own 13 newspapers. Uh-huh. We're, we're probably the one that's closest to a reservation the next one would probably be the um one out of Forsyth that's oh. there in Rosebud County so they would they would be the next closest ones because they're right there by lame deer right um but we cover the most native news we're the only newsroom out of that group that has Indians in the newsroom how many and we're, how many on your staff all but one. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. All but one. Yeah. Well, well, well. Let me ask you this then. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, since you are in this unique situation where you, you're you're in a position where you're managing a a non a, a, a media outlet that's not owned by natives, um, but predominantly with almost a majority of the folks native how, are, are there elements in the in the news that you report or the style that you write or the way you present your material that's different than say a mainstream media outlet even a local one serving a, a local clientele so does your nativeness come out in the in the news or not for me, I don't necessarily think so because of my degree background, like my educational background is in journalism. Right. So I have the, the training that it takes to be an unbiased journalist. So I have, okay. I have reporters that didn't have that training. Right. And it comes out in their work. Okay. Because I edit their work, I can filter out a lot of like opinion and slanted kind of like, you know, when you write something and you kind of favor, you don't realize you do it, but you favor oh, things. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I can filter that out and say, okay, now that you talk to that side, go talk to the people on the other side of the issue. Right. Right, right. Um, because it's not, as a newspaper, it's not our job. To report only on one topic or one side of one topic. Yeah. It's our job to report about, you know, what's going on in our community and how is it going to affect the people in our community. And so that means both sides of the issues. Right. Um, and hmm. I think that when people think of the news and media, they, they tend to think a lot about 
of um, TV news. Right. And when we see people like Tucker Carlson on the TV talking about his opinions, like right. that's not news. Right. That's right. not what we're trained to do when we're in school. Tucker Carlson didn't go to journalism school. He's just a doofus with a bow tie. Um, <laughs> what did you call him? You're talking. So you're talking. <laughs> a doofus yeah. with a bow tie. Oh, they said Jesus. Not, Jesus yeah. with a bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey, hey. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who are so, we to say? Okay. It's it's I mean, not, it's not our job. Like I have a lot of opinions. Right. But that's not my job. Well, let, well okay. Yeah. Like if you were to work. look at the news. If if you're if you're to look at the news, most of what you see on TV as the news, quote unquote, is commentary. It's okay. it's not the news itself. Like you know who Norm Macdonald is? The <laughs> yeah 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 the Saturday Night Live news. He a, yeah, he has a funny joke about the news and how it's only it's only thirty minutes. There really is only thirty minutes of news. But anyway, <laughs> we didn't get that. <laughs> But it seems like we're flooded with commentary. Yeah. And not well, well, okay. So I, I got I'm I'm confused by something here, or I, I'm I guess I need to clarify. Uh so what kind of what you're saying then is the the discipline of journalism, it doesn't matter, it shouldn't matter what kind of person is in that profession, right? Whether they're native, yeah. non-native, uh from from another country, it should all just report unbiased information. Yeah. Okay. So okay, then. So okay. Go ahead. The interesting thing about about this is everybody in the world sees the world differently depending on how right. they grow up, the culture they're in, just you know their frame of mind views the world differently. Yes. So a newsroom should have all kinds of different people in it because they all view the world differently. Okay. And so if you look at an issue one way and then my worker looks at an issue a slightly different way, yeah, we're both able to ask different questions that are going to result in pulling out better information okay okay and that better information will be able to be presented to our readership and somebody might be able to learn something that's you know more beneficial or understand something better or, yeah. you know it's just it's just more beneficial to the reader right um, unfortunately journalism has been dominated by you know white american men for decades, decades and decades. Uh-huh. And it's it's a really hard industry for, you know, especially women of color to get into. Right. Because, you know, you know, it's one of the glass ceilings that are it's difficult to break. Um I've struggled a lot in the industry. I've had several jobs in Montana journalism. I've been pretty successful in them, but there's a lot of a lot of stuff you have to go through to be successful in them and it can break you down <laughs> i right. was out of journalism for a good 10 years yeah before i came back hmm okay 
I so uh, okay. I guess what I'm. I, I mean, uh, let's see. What am I trying to get at here? So what I'm trying to get at then, or from okay, from what I understand is, if you have a diverse news newsroom, diverse reporters, you're going to capture more issues. That makes sense, right? That's kind of yeah. what you said. Yeah. So yep. let's let 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 me let me think about um say a uh, a media outlet that's predominantly native. Um, are they? Is it inherently going to be biased for native issues, or, or is there still going to be a, a professionalism that can capture um, news that's going to be uh, consumable by um, the masses, both native and non-native? I'm I'm probably like in the minority when it comes to this issue because I think that like a a, a native-owned newspaper should have a diverse newsroom. Okay. And a lot of native-owned newspapers have native-only journalists. Right. Um, but a diverse newsroom could mean a Navajo, uh, you know, a Chippewa. Right. 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 Or, or a, a balance of male, female. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have. Or your audio, your audio is bad. A little bit. Sounds like you're underwater. Are you in a river? Are you safe? <laughs> so my question or my thought about journalism is that um, I've kind of always had an issue with like native run newspapers. Okay. Not <laughs> that sounded bad. But like I have an issue, I have an issue with native-run newspapers. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what I would say though is, is if you isolate native, yeah, yeah, we can. So yeah. if we isolate native populations, so like right. say you have a native newspaper that's just a native newspaper for native issues, yeah, then it never seems to like reach anybody because. Can you hear me now? All, yeah, we can hear you. Oh. We're, yeah, we're he's we're talking, talking he's talking yeah he's into a deep subject here and, and he's using we're, his hands to talk so we gotta we're listen podcasting. okay go keep going we're, we're god dang podcasting god dang it. okay get back to it you had your hands together so, <clears throat> okay when i was young in okay. high school they would yes. have all the newspapers in the in the library and then i went to college they have all the newspapers in the library and yeah. then they have like the indian paper which is at the time was Indian country today. It was the big paper right. and you'd go in there and you'd read it, but it was always only native people who read it. If they sure. did it all. Sure. And what I always noticed was the paper itself didn't realize it was creating an isolated perspective. Like it was native newspaper, native issues. Yeah. But it was the native thing. Like I never understood why like native successes and native and i guess ne some negative news but it's just part of the paper like it's the news right yeah like if it's if, if, if uh something happens in in your area whether it's native or non-native if it's of value it yeah. should be in the paper but for some reason once a native story makes it into the mainstream paper or whatever it is it's considered well that's an indian story and people just kind of like cast it aside they cast it aside right so the danger of like what's going on with my sister and where they where she works 
is that the community, instead of saying, hey, here, here's a newspaper now that's representing all of the county, which is both tribal and non-tribal, the non-tribal members, our non-tribal people of the county can say, will we'll start to say, and this might be controversy, but it's probably true to yeah. say, well, that now it's a native paper. Right. And they just push it, they push it, push it aside. Yeah. When really the fact what they're seeing is that their county is a native county and the paper's just reflecting its audience. Right. So how does someone deal with that? Because like side of like the some crime, our tribal politics, you really don't see people in the news at all, really. Like a human interest piece once in a while, you kind of see this like overcome the odds thing. Right. Right, right. Yeah, that's an interesting so, one. How do you do it? How does how does someone yeah. That, and that that's why I think this is this is kind of a unique situation here with with Luella and her her work is I mean, and she kind of said it, you know, you you gotta you gotta be a professional and you have to you have to report all of the news. So then so then I'm sitting here thinking, well, okay, then how do okay, so how do native newspapers then um, capture news that's, I guess, beyond the scope of their audience. Does it even matter at that point? I mean, I guess it just depends on where the the newspaper is at. <clears throat> but say, for example, Indian Country Today, that- that's a natural national newspaper for the most part, and so it should be able to capture the issues that matter across that population, right? Is that what you're saying? I would think so, but the problem there is that now you're condensing all the country into like seven pages. Yeah. Of news. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Dang- I, I would think then that becomes too glossed over. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's back to the same old the, the same not the same old argument, but the argument about anything that you're trying to, uh, you know, the 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 catchword today is, you know, indigenize. We're going to indigenize and then fill in the blank. We're going to indigenize sneakers. We're going to indigenize um, yeah, but- textbooks. We're going to indigenize. So if you try to indigenize journalism, what does that really mean? Does that mean we're only going to focus on native and native issues, but then you got this, this, uh, the, the fact that you have this vast diversity in the native population, then can you really, can you really do that? And like you said, condense well, it into seven then, pages. And then what's of interest to your readers? Are we going to assume that all native peoples just like to hear native story, native um, headlines? Right. Or, yeah. I don't so, know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a weird deal because. So this, this, so yeah, so this is where I'm getting, well, I get back to my very first question okay. when, when I, when I was asked Luella about, are there elements in native media that are different than mainstream? Because we can pick up any newspaper in the country for the most part and get regional and national news. But what, what would be, I mean, what's so unique about native journalism? Can, can we pick up any newspaper and also get regional and local native news? But should, shouldn't there be something different about it that reflects maybe the unique style of thinking or of doing in native communities. I don't know. I'm, that's just what I'm guessing. Is there an element in native media that is unique 
and different? Well, the first thing I thought of was obituaries. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I honestly yeah. think like, yeah. The way we write our obituaries is so different. And you, I mean, was it, was it you, Aaron, that I was talking to when I said, um, I didn't even know she was Crow. But then I read her obituary and she used Wait. our slogan. Oh. And it, and they're like, I, I don't, must not have been Aaron because then they said, what, what do you mean? What's our slogan? Um, our family is large. If we have not, <laughs> if we did not mention, oh, if we did not mention your name, please forgive oh, yeah. us. Our family is large. We, yeah. <laughs> if we have forgotten your name, <laughs> please, please accept our apologies. Our family is large. Like there is, I, I, cause I've read obituaries all over Indian country and I will say, it's funny you bring this up, but um, I think I'd, I'd gamble that a large portion of Native people buy newspapers because of obituaries. Yeah. Really? You know, um, uh, since, since funeral homes now have websites, a lot of people have stopped purchasing obituaries for the newspaper. Hmm. And... Like for me, that's that's like, oh, but what are what are genealogists going to do when <laughs> the world when the internet stops working? What 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 are genealogists <laughs> gonna do? Um, because when the internet stops working, um, they're gonna have to go back to these hard copies, and if the obituaries aren't in there, how are people gonna know who their parents were? How are people going to know what their birthdays were? How are people going to know where these people were buried? So I make a concerted effort every few weeks to catch up on all the people who didn't get obituaries run in the paper. And I'll run the brief version. Right. So-and-so passed away on whatever date in whatever town. Yeah. Um, he was born on this date to these people in this town. Funeral services were held on this day. Right. At this place he was buried at this location and this funeral home was in charge of the arrangements. Right. Like, um, you know, when I worked at Bighorn County news right after high school, um, in 19, whatever, um, that was part of my job and funeral homes would send those in those briefs. Yeah. But they don't even do that anymore because they think that the internet is going to always be here. So like, I do that now too. So that's part of my so, job. <laughs> so, so if the internet went down, if the internet yeah. went down, do you think we'd worry about that kind of stuff? <laughs> I think eventually we'll go back to basics, you know, and people will want to know who, where they come from. Sure. I think people are always going to have a need to know where they came from. What if yeah. Bullis Mortuary suddenly forgets to pay their host server payment <laughs> and or what if the host what if the server company goes bankrupt and loses all of their information you know right like things happen right I've yeah so written for websites that have lost everything yeah so not just the whole and, internet going down but yeah. those kind of situations then then that record is lost yeah so, that's really interesting. It's interesting that you guys both mentioned that you think obituaries are you are you 
unique from other news sources for natives. Um, natives and, and is it largely the way they're written or or the information that's put in there what what is the what is the difference i, I think mean, I it's i get. think that it's it's how we list people right and uh, i think that it's why certain people are listed the order that they're listed is very important yeah um i've sat in on people writing obituaries where the conversations have spiraled into yelling matches because someone was <laughs> named before somebody else. <laughs> or I've seen, when I worked at the Gazette, I've seen one wife who was like the ex-wife, the first wife, yeah. send in an obituary for her ex-husband. And then I've seen <laughs> the second ex-wife send in a separate obituary oh, for her no. husband. Oh no. And the 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 guy, the woman that he was married to at the time of his death did yeah. not send an obituary at all. Yeah. So I mean <laughs> you, who's, who's to say what that Indians was about? Are, are, yeah. Do you think um Indian people are the only ones that have they that have like anxiety about obituaries and like how good obituaries have to be? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Equal anxiety. Well, what's a, what do you think? What's board. another issue? What's yeah. another? What's yeah, another so issue? Because yeah, go ahead. What? That's, <clears throat> that's that, small. I know that's small. Obituaries. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, that's that's small, but small but mighty because that's an important one because it connects this idea. Of, cut them out and they save them. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen, I've seen women have like Bibles filled with obituaries that have been cut out of the paper that they just they save yeah yeah just to it's, save it's this and idea when, I, when when my designer sends me proofs of the page yeah if the, if certain obituaries like because i know some of the families that have them if certain obituaries are not cut outable like if, <laughs> if they're gonna look too like they're split between different pages yeah. yeah, or if like the columns are all nice and pretty, and then one somehow goes way too long down, I'm yeah. like, no, you gotta, you gotta fix that. Somebody's gonna cut that out because that, I, it's gonna be hard to do. Yeah, someone's gonna cut that out and save it for 25, 30 years, and their <laughs> granddaughter, their oldest granddaughter, is gonna inherit her Bible and pull those all out, and it's, it's gonna last forever, and that one piece is gonna be torn off because, and yeah, like that's how invested <laughs> I am in this job. what i want to know that's one piece like if i say native american news native american media 
Native American journalism. I mean, I want to feel like it's different. I want to feel like it's something that's unique that reflects the the um, different cultural pursuits or life ways of the people. But you kind of dashed you dashed my uh, stereotype right off, and you whipped out the journalism uh, uh, <laughs> a pro card and said, "Oh no, nay, we report all the news equally in balanced." No, not everyone does. But not everyone does. But this is so. This is the thing. This is the thing. And Aaron and I chatted about it briefly um, while you were um, um, muted there for a second. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, so I mean, what is the contribution, the unique contribution of native news, native media, native journalism to mainstream media that would set us apart or native people apart? Is that is that a reality or is that just something I'm just wishing and hoping for the contribution of native media to mainstream media. Yeah. Hmm. I think that native media, native journalism, native reporters have been able to give the mainstream like an eye into the world that we live in. Because they don't know, they don't, they don't, they don't know anything. (laughs) You know, I don't want to sound so jaded. Well, no, I think it's the reality, though. I think that's just the reality. They don't know, you know. Well, and I think our biggest audience, the truth is, is our biggest audience is those people who don't know anything and they want to know stuff, you know, basics, what we would consider basics. Yeah. A lot of them don't want to know. Okay. I have come across, okay, as a journalist, it's always been my nature to be too nosy. I want to <laughs> know too much. I've always wanted to know too much. I've always wanted to ask questions. I've always wanted to spy on everyone <laughs> around me. When I was a little kid and the adults were talking, we weren't allowed in the room. Like we were not allowed to listen to the grownups talk. Yeah. I would like army crawl down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, to the edge, to the edge of to where the, the hallway met the living met room. The living room. Yeah, yeah. I would army crawl. Yeah. Or- I would listen until they heard me breathing too hard. Or- so after a while, I would stop breathing as long as I could just to listen to them. <laughs> and um <laughs> That was always my nature, was too curious, too nosy, yeah. wanted to know too much. Yeah. But a lot of these non-native journalists, they get to kind of a point where they think they know everything. Right. You know, not just like stereotype everyone, but they do. I've seen it with my own eyes in all of the newsrooms I've worked in were non-native. Yeah. They think they know everything. Hmm. The older they get, the more they get like They that, don't. You know? And so <laughs> they don't. Okay. So it's hard to to have a a reporter come in and and, and onto the reservation and be curious and want to know what's going on and, and want to know the root of the issue. Yeah. Um but that's changing. I'm I'm seeing that that's changing. Like there's a new a new level of of professionalism and and hmm. curiosity and and just it's just like a new 
skill level that's coming out of the journalism school that I went to in Missoula um, with all the new students that like I've worked with because I always welcomed them into my newsroom. And when I worked at Little Bighorn College, I've always welcomed them in, into the college and yeah. um, kind of briefed them on who to talk to and, you know, ask them everything about the story that they're working on for the native news project. Yeah. And, um, always just always want to be involved somehow. So I yeah. always sneak them in. Um, but just the, the skill level that these kids are working on, they're light years ahead of where I was when I graduated. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, that gives me a little bit of hope. Um, right. Because some of the dinosaurs that we have in this industry, it's time for them to retire. It's time for them to go. Um, <laughs> okay, like, so yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. Oh, okay. I just, I just think that, but no, native journalism has given, has kind of it opened the door for a lot of the dinosaurs and their babies <laughs> to <laughs> to be able to see, like, hey, there's other things out there. You know, like other work, <laughs> other other worlds. That oh, you guys like other cover. work. Yeah, yeah no. get out of journalism. There's a lot of things out there. Yeah. A lot of work. Uh, <laughs> go, to, go be in construction. No. Um, <laughs> no, but there's there's um, Mark Trehant is just like one of the most phenomenal journalists ever. He's the one who rescued Indian Country Today. He put him online. He's yeah. created. Um, they have like a news program, like online, yeah, like a broadcast news. Oh, um, really? Yeah, they do broadcast news now online, and they have correspondents across the country. They're truly a national news outlet now. They yeah. work with the Associated Press. They have a bureau in D.C. They have a bureau in Arizona. They have a bureau in Alaska. Wow. Um, what What Indian Country Today is doing is just like everything I ever wanted to do in native yeah. journalism. Yeah. Um, they have a reporter in, I think it's South Dakota. That's good to that know. Covers That's up good to in know. this area. Yeah. They, um, Patty Talahongva, who used to work for the Navajo Times, she works for them now and she does the broadcast newscast and she's just the freaking coolest lady ever. She's got that <laughs> radio voice that this is Patty Talahongva. And I'm just like, oh my God, I love you. Um, Brian Bull, he works for a radio station in Oregon. He's just like constantly getting awards and awards and he's mainstream, you know, he's, yeah. he's public radio. Yeah. And he's opened the eyes of all these all these listeners who, you know, would would never even think that he's a native reporter because he doesn't just report on native things. Okay. But but just the fact that he's a native. Yeah. You know, people are like, oh hey. So when he does report on something native, it it creates this effect that people branch off of that one story he does and it and it just just spreads from there. You know, yeah. so it's it's like just just the fact that someone's a native it and like legitimate and they have you know that Indian street cred because they're real <laughs> and they're professional and they're damn good at their job. So you're saying they stayed in HUD before they had a HUD house before <laughs> native no, cred. No, <laughs> no, they're not that kind. <laughs> not that kind. Not like. <laughs> 
They've eaten commodities. Easter egg houses. They, well, yeah. <laughs> All of those people have, but they're, you know, when someone is gas. real, no. right? You know, you know, when someone's real, you know, when somebody is legitimate. You, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Those people who, who put fishing lures in their hair and think that they're Indian. Who, you know what I mean? Fishing lures? lures? Remember those feather fishing lures for fly fishing? (laughs) Clearly, clearly you guys have not spent any time on the Big Horn River flying for blue ribbon trout. (laughs) Clearly, you don't know native fashion. (laughs) Clearly. Clearly. Decolonized fly fishing. I just made my first Um, ribbon shirt. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just teasing. So anyway, just... anyway, Aaron had are a like question. Those, Aaron had a question. Those kinds of people are okay. my heroes because okay. not only are they talented, not only are they like just breaking down barriers, busting but them down. They're like legitimately native. They're not fake. They're okay. not apologetic about who they are and where they came from. Right. Right. So that's Aaron that's a, a big question. that's a big issue in itself. Aaron, yeah. go question. I was just gonna say. Um, so, would you say would you say overall, native journalism is taking the right steps forward, or is it still? Or does it still have some work to be done? Oh no, native journalism is exploding. It's it's doing great. Um, native News Online. There's a website called Native News Online. Yeah. Um, NativeNews.net, I believe, is the website. Um, yeah. Indians.com. Yeah. Indians. With a Z. Com, with a Z. They used <laughs> to be owned. Indians. They were owned by some podunk little dude at one point, like back in the day when I was in college. And their website was like <laughs> awful. It was like Bilderbergs. Dark. It was like dark blue what? with like, <laughs> it was dark blue with like yellow letters. <laughs> And it always had like weird <laughs> little stories that you would never ever hear if you didn't see it on their website. <laughs> but then the um, the Ho Chunk tribe, I think, it's like a bad MySpace website. site. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was GeoCities level. Yeah. You know? um, GeoCities. <laughs> there was no but, bad MySpace sites. <laughs> oh yes, there were the, the ones that would take like fifteen minutes to load because there was so much crap on them. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a rose, a rose in the background. You guys had a joint MySpace. No, that's sad. Don't admit that. What you did? No, we had a joint. We had a no. Me and Misty. Me and Misty did not. Me and Lou. (laughs) (laughs) Brothers and sisters. Was there a rose in the background? Was there a rose in the background? (laughs) So then I think it was the hotel tribe actually bought that website. And my friend brought, um, <laughs> shut up, I'm telling you a good story. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can't get over the rose in the background of the MySpace You're the page. only one okay. who had a rose on your MySpace page. <laughs> and it said, every rose has its thorn. I'm the thorn. You thought you were so tough. And you weren't even tough. <laughs> <laughs> and then the song that started playing 10 minutes in while it was still loading was yeah. every rose has its own. I remember 
I like I was what like, happened? Um, what I happened just now? <laughs> I'm I'm like um <laughs> you have like guilty pleasures in me sometimes and um guilty pleasures. What? The walking just me. Yeah. What? Say it again. You 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 cut out. Guilty pleasures. I didn't cut out. Yeah, and I said I said every once in a while a pop song gets me. Oh, okay. Like a little bit of a white snake. Yeah. Or uh, or more soft than that. Well, this white snake's pretty soft for uh, that era. Well, I was five when white snake was oh, okay, out. Okay, okay, never mind. <laughs> okay. I was a very I wasn't very I wasn't very old when so, white snake was out. I was pretty young. <laughs> so what's the pop? What's the pop? That you're talking about? What's your era of pop? Nothing. I'm just. Let's. <laughs> I want to know. Like totally, late nineties. What was he Aaron into? Was totally into Michael Jackson. Oh yes. And then like, he had I was like a pretty young. A I was pretty four young. year Beatles phase, and we were all so sick of the Beatles. <laughs> well, so the, the truth is, is when I was when I was into the Beatles, yeah. it was actually even just the specific. Like, my mom had those blue tape, those blue, and it said like 1959 to 63 or something. Oh, okay. Like it was that. It was a specifically it was the that. Just the Beatles era. <laughs> I, I was too young to even understand the psychedelics, you know. So before Yellow Submarine and those. Oh no! Or, it was no. Um, well, like it, the years. beginning of that, like. Okay. I was like, uh, I'm not familiar with the Beatles. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're familiar with the Beatles? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not. They're really fairly new. Uh, The Beatles are very, are fairly new, really. Yeah, yeah. You should check them out. I just had a couple 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 of hits dropped on the iTunes. (laughs) That's sarcasm, right? Is that sarcasm? They're from Great Britain. They're a small. I'm not from that Great unfamiliar Britain. with the Beatles. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the evil journalism laugh. <laughs> Your mom. Well, well, our parents. Give me pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> Was your mom into Redbone? Uh, oh me, God. my mom. Yeah, yeah. I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. Redbone. I think so. Yeah, I think she had a couple of the, yeah. the uh, records, Redbone records. Yeah, laying around. Yeah, what the vinyls? The vinyls. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's get back to topic. No, here. I'm. You're, okay, okay. Yeah. Enough about this this crazy band called the Beatles. I'll have to. I'll Google it. I'll figure it out. What the Beatles are all about. I'm Search kidding. Ask Jeeves. Oh God! <laughs> I'll Go ask Jeeves. Pile and search ask them because on Dogpile they search all the web, all the search engines. Yes, crawls all all of the web. I can't remember where we're at. Where were Bing we it. at? Bing it! Oh my God! Aaron asked if Indian journalism was in a good place or. Oh right, 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 right. Okay, yeah. So I had a I had a question. Is a follow a up. She said it was booming. It's yeah. a booming industry. Yeah. And I was trying to tell a story, but oh, oh yeah, okay. I'm sorry. We cut you off. Continue. Yeah. Let's rewind no. the tape. No, She's I'm done. Kidding. It's over. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, it's your story. You tell it the way you want it. 
So let's see. Let's it's see. your okay, so truth. It's my truth. I'm living it. Go. So, um, what was I going to say? Oh, that website, native or indians.com. With the Z. When it first, yeah, with a Z. My, one of my <laughs> teachers, he would say, check out indianz.com. <laughs> oh my god and um we would check it out and it would always be like these weird obscure stories yeah but it was kind of cool and then it kind of stopped nothing was ever happening on it and then i think it was the ho-chunk tribe bought it and they just started poaching badass journalists from all over the country really and now that website's pretty damn good indianz.com indianz <laughs> put it in Indian Z. I want to put it in the notes. TV. Yeah. Indians.com. Well, I want to. Um, I want to know. Were, they were okay. covering the Black Lives Matter movement. They yeah. had reporters live in Minnesota. They sent reporters to Minnesota to live stream coverage. Like wow, that's how intense that website is getting. That's pretty progressive. Um, so is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. And so then their their national native news online is national in the country today is huge. Right. Um and then we have all these tribal papers that are doing like amazing things. Yeah. The Muscogee tribe has an amazing website. The okay. Osage Nation, my friend Shannon is running the Osage paper and my friend Benny works there. And I keep telling her to fire someone so I can work with them because (laughs) they ran a monthly paper and it, I just want to work there. Um, Trump up some charges and get somebody fired. Right. (laughs) The Charcusta is one of the better tribal papers. Uh, My friend Leilani Upham used to work there. Oh, I always wanted to work at the Charcusta. It just seemed like a lot of fun. Hmm. Interesting. That's that, probably not fun now. I don't know. I haven't heard any stories. Well, you know, um, one one of the um one of the debates about that paper and and others that was sponsored by the tribal government is that uh, largely um they were censored that, from reporting anything negative about tribal government. See, that's the biggest dilemma in tribal yeah. news. Yeah. Now, some tribal newspapers have an arm's length agreement with the tribe so like shannon at the osage news yeah they get a small portion of their budget from the tribal government but the rest of it they get from advertising revenue Mm -hmm. so they're free to report whatever they want and the tribal government can't do anything so how do you stay clear of the conflict of interest the tribe is not allowed to um, have any um, prior. It's called prior restraint. They oh. can't. They can't um, request any of the news stories or any of the, the page proofs before publication. Oh. And so they can't hold their budget hostage. That must be some pre pre agreement of some sort. It's huh? a res- It's a. It's a. Um, what do you call it? It's a, it was a it was a resolution in the tribal government that is now uh, law. I see. Um, the well, Muscogee that seems pretty important. That, the Muscogee Nation had that in place 
I believe it was, yeah, it was the Muskogee. They had that in place, and then they got a new chairman who um, repealed that law. Oh, really? And the Native American Journalists Association um, was all up in arms over it, and they lobbied for the paper and, you know, wrote all these, like, whatever they're called, opinion pieces and op-eds and whatnot. And um, put a lot of pressure on that tribal government on all these other Native American journalists, member newspapers did the same thing. Yeah. And eventually that tribal government reinstated that law. And so the Muskogee newspaper is allowed to get their small, it's only a small portion of their budget. The rest of it is yeah. ad revenue. Yeah. Um, but they get their budget from the tribe huh. and the tribal government can't censor them anymore now when i i consulted one summer with the tribal paper when the crow had a tribal paper and um it was all censored beforehand we couldn't Mm. write anything we couldn't publish anything that wasn't reviewed before by the um office of the vice chairman wow so um but that whole summer i was consulting on you know what they could do to go independent. Yeah. And so I had a whole thing, a whole write up on, you know, how to run the run the whole thing and print costs out of the press in Sheridan and yeah. Um what kind of staff they would need and the whole deal. And they were all excited and um then yeah. by the end of it they decided not to do it. Really? Yeah, because because of various the tribe didn't want to the tribe like they didn't want to lose the paper. Oh. And I'm like, well, well So ultimately it was the tribe's decision. And like whether they well, let them go everyone, independent or not. Everyone everyone in the in the newspaper office, that little department like they were all skilled enough to do it on their right. own. They just needed the startup. Yeah. But interesting. Interesting. I want to do it. Eventually I will. I want to, I would love to have my own paper. Well, this is, that I think is this is a my dream. This is a pretty interesting one because I, I'm not sure. And maybe, you know, maybe just offhand how many tribal or native news outlets or news, whatever media outlets are, not uh, um, a subsidiary or owned or funded by a tribe, tribal government. Do you know? Most of them are. Only Most. a small handful aren't. In Montana, I think there's only one up in Fort Peck. Really? That isn't. Yeah. Um, Louis Montclair. I went to a school with Louis. Hey, they had the um, they had a tribal paper that was owned by the tribe, and then they went independent. Yeah and made the Fort Peck Journal. And then the woman that was running it, she had passed away. Uh-huh. And then Lewis was running the Fort Peck Journal by himself. And then that went under. And so then he started an online paper. Oh, okay. So he's doing that all by himself. Hmm. But it's a pretty big undertaking to have your own newspaper. I, I would imagine. So let me, um, Okay. That's interesting. This idea of censorship or even oversight from the 
the tribal government is uh, is an interesting topic, uh, and I'm sure it's limiting in a lot of ways um, on what you can and cannot report. Um, just to guess, but um, largely all of these all of these adhere to some common rule or some common professional uh, style of journalism. So I would I would venture to guess probably about 30% really have that kind of arm's length agreement. Oh, really? Out of that 30%, maybe half of them have legislation in place. Right. Last I knew, like the last time I really looked into it, maybe 15% have actual legislation that protects tribal papers from the government censorship. Yeah. And about 15 more percent have an arm's length like agreement. Yeah. But the rest of them are just kind of under the thumb. Yeah. Of a tribal government entity. Um, But most of those papers generally don't, care to report about big issues right a lot of tribal papers stick to happy stories anyway yeah the fun run a lot of tribal papers will stick to diabetes walks yeah easter (laughs) fun run powwows coming up senator Um, tester was in town because a lot of tribal papers are not yeah yeah a lot of tribal papers are not run by like professional journalists and a lot of people uh-huh. who are not professional journalists have the mentality of they only write bad stuff about us. <laughs> if we have our own paper, we're only going to write good stuff. <laughs> you switched voices um, there. What happened? <laughs> but like a, a true, yeah, that's my impersonation of us of a sad sap Indian. <laughs> but. A true journalist knows. Can can you say that? Can you go back to that voice? Indian? Yeah. Talk to us in that voice for the next two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> One time. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. Here you, it is. I'll tell you. Okay. Quick. So this one time on Facebook. <laughs> this person was camped out at a park in Crow. Yeah. And they had their... RV plugged into the power pole. Yeah. And they were getting electricity for free. And I was <laughs> like, oh, interesting. So I was being super sarcastic on Facebook. And yeah. I said, hey, does everyone see that RV plugged into that power pole? You know, the tribe pays for that pole. So that, does this set a precedent that the tribe is giving out free electricity to tribal members? And if this person is not a tribal member, does this mean that the tribe is giving out free electricity to non-tribal members? Does that mean that the tribe is um, favoring non-tribal members over tribal members? Um, What are your thoughts? Oh, my God. It opened up a huge can of worms. And all these people were pissed. And they're all commenting on it. and, And then this one girl posted on her page. And she's like, I can't believe 
that some people don't even care that so-and-so is camped out at the park because she has nowhere else to go. I have to go check on her every day because she has nowhere. Her and her husband have nowhere to live. And all this woman cares about is free electricity. Mind you, that woman who lives in the RV is married to a convicted felon who's <laughs> out of compliance with the violent offender list. <laughs> and no one wants them at their house because he's like unpredictable. He stuff? <laughs> he's an unpredictable violent offender who will snap at any moment. <laughs> so then I wrote I wrote on my Facebook page, I said I guess maybe I'll just put a sarcasm disclaimer over all of my sarcastic posts. So I did it for about four or five weeks. I put sarcasm disclaimer over everything that was sarcastic. <laughs> but then, so that same day when everyone was like all up in arms over my insensitivity to the homeless plight of American Indians, I um, get a phone call at my work. Yeah. And it was from an unavailable number. Ooh. That's not good. I know. <laughs> the office manager trans- transferred it to the back and he's all, hello. I was like, hi, this is Luella. Can I help you? Did you write on Facebook about that woman who's camping at the park? I was like, um, yeah, earlier today I did. Well, if you're so concerned about people who are camping at the park, maybe you should are I have some things to tell you about. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, sorry, bro, not today. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> like, you know that voice almost like <laughs> that voice almost sounds like Papa Bear in the three bear. <laughs> That's my turn. It's all broke up. <laughs> And it's just right. So you just use that one lots of ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Facebook girl. But see, everyone knows where I work, so they can call me and tell yeah. me all their conspiracy theories. And <laughs> oh my god. Well, you know. Anyways. Yeah, we talked about some interesting things here, and I think there's um there's more to talk about, especially this thing about censorship. You know. That's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And the one I'm, I'm curious about, and I don't know if we have a lot of time to discuss it today, but maybe for next time, because I think this is a, a popular stereotype, right? And I was kind of trying to get at it, trying to get it, get out of it, get something out of you that maybe was there, but it doesn't sound like it's there. So there's this, there's this stereotype, you know, that Indians are, and you know, for, for the most part, it's kind of true in a way, but I think for everyone, it is, they have their storytellers, right? So Indians can tell a particular kind of story in a particular kind of way that captures an audience of their of their community. Um, I think that's true uh, in in for yeah. certain folks. But I'm wondering, and this is what I was kind of getting at is is that is that an element of native journalism, like to tell a story in a different way so. that that strays outside the norm of professional journalism that you learn from. Western education that's rooted in a European model of journalism. I don't know. That's kind of what I, I, I was wondering as well. 
You know, I think so. And I think that I could probably talk for hours about that. Um, one of the reasons I went into the field is because of the storytelling element. Right. Uh, one of the reasons I stay in it and keep coming back to it is because of the storytelling. Yeah. Um, not like, you know, there's news and then there's feature writing. Right. Is a, an aspect of journalism. Yeah. And um, some of the best writers I know are journalists. Some of the best storytellers I know are native journalists. Hmm. Um, and there's a distinction there. Yeah. Um, one of the, the things that I notice about native journalists is the ability to kind of transport someone with the words that they choose. Right. And um, I don't see that a lot with other journalists. You know, I yeah. see good writing. I yeah. see good narrative. I see good um, form and functionality, but right. that ability to transport someone to to the place that they're writing about. Yeah, uh, that's that's a talent that comes with a cultural identity, you know. And right. I can see that with some other writers. I see that with like Mexican writers. My friend Serena has that talent. She's Mexican. She's from Southern California. Uh -huh. um, I see it a lot, you know, and I, I talk about this a lot too, is um, my friends who grow have grown up in poverty that are non-native, you know, like my white friends who grew up poor. Yeah. They have that ability, you know, that yeah. poverty, it, you know, it's poverty culture, you know, right. there, there's some sort of a culture in, in the poverty that we share. Um, right. And they That's can do true. it too. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool. You know, I could talk about it for hours and hours, but there, uh -huh. there is an ability to, to have that, that narrative storytelling ability that, that native journalists have that non-natives don't seem to have yeah. in general. And I think that's what non-natives see with the people that I mentioned earlier, like yeah. Brian and Mark and Patty, yeah. um, they were able to see that. Yeah. Um, one of my, my arch nemesis in journalism for more than a few reasons, um, won a Pulitzer for his ability to tell that story narratively mm. Um, mm. for a book that he wrote and for a long form investigative piece that he did. Huh. And he's a native. So it's, you know, it's pretty cool the way they can do that and the way they can yeah. capitalize on that as a talent. You know what? Let's revisit this in, in a subsequent episode because I think it's important. I think it's one that I want to talk about a little bit more. So maybe maybe you can invite one of your your these these folks you talked about, uh, you and, and another person. And we, I can, ha I can give you guys some hard-hitting questions about that. What do you say? Oh, for sure. Yeah, let's do definitely. it. Yeah, because we've gone yes. on long give me enough. A date, we and we all find someone. Okay, we've rambled. We've uh, engaged in definitely. some gossip. We probably told a few lies. Hot gossip. Hot gossip. <laughs> we oh, probably yeah. offended somebody, but that's Hot all right. Gossip. That's the way it goes. Yeah. So let, let's get you back. 
let's get you back. We'll, we'll talk and we'll find uh, uh, um, a co-guest. And I think, oh, I think, yeah. and, and I think what we're what we're gonna try to do is um maybe reel you in to be a part-time host for us. What do you think about that? Oh, for sure. Let's do I it. I definitely want to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah, do yeah. it. So we we're gonna Yay! collaborate. You and I will collaborate on some guests that we can get, bring on because you you will you're gonna open up a whole new door to a population of people that I wouldn't otherwise think of to have on our podcast. Oh, yeah. and, that, and I think that's important. So let's do that. Okay. And awesome. um, yeah, it's gonna be cool. Um, but I think I think we've run our course here. So, um, we're out. That's it. We're done. Good night. We're done. All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode. And if you want to learn more about what we're up to, go ahead and search Tribal Research Specialists in Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube and uh, check out our other sites. And uh, if you want to contribute to the show, go ahead and look us up on Patreon. We would appreciate your donations.